Welcome to a short episode. Yep, today's going to be a short episode of Better Black Than Never. I am your host, as always, Tavarnas King, and I am thrilled to be here with you today. And today, you know, we're just going to talk about one thing, and that is Biden Biden's inauguration, what this means moving forward, and what I definitely want to see happen for black people across the next four years. Uh, because, it, you know, as much as we're celebrating today, this is a four-year journey that we're taking with this man. And I know a lot of people, even people who aren't pro-Trump, people who would call and describe themselves as Democrats, aren't exactly super excited about this guy. But it was clear what the options were. It was either Biden or just straight-up anarchy. Uh, And when I went into the booth and I voted for Biden, I, I felt like I was voting against black death because... I was watching a president just literally letting a virus run amok that was killing so many black people. I was voting against white supremacy, uh, which is something that has always been on the on the hunt for black lives. Uh, but it seems as if the past four years it had heightened to a place that we have not seen since what the 70s uh, even when Trump was running for president people were remarking that he was running a presidency or rather a presidential race like he was you know living back in days with Goldwater you know what I'm saying so shit was just crazy and so it felt very obvious to me that the option especially for black people and understand I say this as someone who is not a Joe Biden fan I do not say this as someone who is super excited or was super excited to vote for to vote for Joe Biden I've said it before my first choice was Elizabeth Warren and then my second choice was Bernie Sanders but when it became very clear that those options weren't going to come to pass I didn't bail I didn't decide not to vote I didn't decide to withhold my vote I decided to you know put my big boy pants on my big boy drawers on and still remain in the fight still remain active still remain Um, someone who was going to participate so I can say at the end of the day no matter which way it went that I did the right thing you know I did the absolute right thing that I wasn't going to be one of those people who ignored what was clearly right in front of our eyes the danger that was right in front of our eyes especially for the black community just because the candidate that I wanted wasn't in the race and so I wasn't going to bail out Right. That wasn't going to be me. You know, I've always had a saying whenever I worked in corporate America, you know, people would ask me, you know, what is the one reason why people give you roles like head of departments and, you know, director of this, senior director of that. And and you're running all these departments. Like, what would you say is your one of your biggest attributes that, you know, make people want to give you these roles? I And one of the things I tell them all the time is that I'm willing to make the call. Like, you got to have the guts to make the call because, you know, not every day in those roles are going to be just you ordering people around and, and putting down rules and just, you know, watching the money come through. There are going to be some days where you have to make some tough decisions and you got to be man enough or you got to be woman enough. You got to be brave enough. You got to be confident enough to get in there and make the call. And it felt to me like that was a super easy call. So all that being said, though, I'm not going to sit here and lie to you and tell you that I was super excited to vote for Joe Biden. I wasn't. But like I said before, I knew or rather I understood what the options were and I made sure that I can with a clear conscience say that I was on the right side of the fight. So here we are. 
at 12 p.m. today, officially Biden became president. And the era of the worst president in U.S. history was over. Although people keep on saying, you know, Trump is the worst president in U.S. history. I don't know. Andrew Jackson, I would say, you know, Rutherford B. Hayes. I hate that motherfucker so much because he ended, you know, reconstruction in, in a backroom deal. Which led to just murder, literal murder for black folks. To me, he is the worst president of all time. Trump is like maybe second or third. Okay? And I'm and I'm saying that knowing what Nixon did, but I'm literally thinking about, you know, presidents who straight up whose actions can directly be tied to the cost of black lives. And Hayes is that motherfucker. Okay, and I'm not gonna get into it today because that is a story for another day. And today we're focusing on Biden, but that is something that I do suggest you you look up and maybe you know we do a podcast on that because well we're not gonna spend Black History Month talking about fucking Rutherford B Hayes, but maybe sometime after that you know we'll definitely talk about why I hate his ass, his guts so much, and I hope he's burning in hell somewhere. With that being said, he he being Trump is definitely top four. You know, worst presence of all time. I think you can juggle that that top list any way you want to. And actually seeing that come to an end is actually very important and was actually very gratifying. And, you know, we'll spend another day talking about, you know, the pardons and all that kind of stuff. Um, I definitely have some opinions on that. Little Wayne and Kodak Black, both anti-black motherfuckers getting getting pardons is you know no surprise to me in that regard uh but you know there was some good there was some good stuff in there as well you know there were a lot of people on that list who you know were serving drug offenses and non-violent offenses and they were just in there because they were black and they were good enough a good number of names that kind of fit that criteria that got clemency and were released and I'm absolutely happy about that. Uh, and so, you know, there are very, very few good things you can point to that this nigga did while in office. But that was definitely one of them. Um, but, you know, that cannot overshine. I cannot outweigh all of the horrible, horrible things. So watching that presidency end today at 12 noon officially was fantastic. However, that ending, you know, the the ending was a little bit of a, you know, it wasn't climactic, you know, it wasn't a climactic ending. And by that, I mean, Joe Biden's inauguration was clearly subdued. And we understand that was going to be that okay that way. I mean, it is an inauguration during a pandemic. I mean, you know, there was no crowd to, to really speak of. Um, and so I'm sure Trump is going to completely ignore the fact that this inauguration took place during a pandemic and will you know brag every chance he gets that his inauguration crowd was larger than biden's crowd and to be real i would not have put it past trump to have a straight up crowd if he had one like he would have said fuck a pandemic he would have created the the superest super spreader event of all time like he would not have given that a second thought that's how much of a idiot and really just how much he does not care about other people including his followers to be honest with you so seeing a more subdued inauguration uh, was the you know clearly was good because it's a responsible thing to do i would have preferred if it was virtual i thought 
that the virtual DNC really showed people, especially, you know, the Democratic Party, just how good a virtual DNC and if it's well organized and put, you know, on together with people with imagination and thoughtfulness, just how good it could be. And so I was really disappointed, disappointed that they didn't go the virtual route. Nevertheless, it happened. It was subdued. The event itself, in terms of performers, nothing to really, nothing to really talk about, you know. Although I will say I enjoyed um, Lady Gaga. <laughs> I think every once in a while I need something like that to remind me that oh yeah, she can sing. She's she's more than just weird costumes and all that. Like she she has like actual real 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 talent, you know. And so that was good. That was good. But you know that that was. In terms of performances, nothing to actually, you know, write home about. But again, I wouldn't expect it. I would not have expected that at all um, because, again, this is a pandemic and we're, we're in. And I much prefer all the big time talent that could have come. Uh, yeah, stay home because I want you guys to live. <laughs> stay home, stay in quarantine, wear a mask, wear gloves, don't fuck around because I want you to be here when we're ready to actually start again and be able to go to clubs and bars and lounges and all that shit don't 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 fuck with my my future plans like that but i will say that if i was going to be president you know sworn in as president and i had four performers now they have to be alive now and i want to hear you guys opinions on this as well they have to be alive but if i had four performances performances if i had four performers that i could invite to my inauguration and i gave this some thought i would go with freddie gibbs and madeline i'm gonna count that i'm gonna count that i'm gonna count the bandana crew the pinata crew as one okay i'm gonna count it as one okay so freddie gibbs and madeline come together okay so i'm gonna count that as one uh number two for me and again, they have to be alive. Uh, unfortunately, I can't put MF Doom on it because there was a time where I would have put MF Doom on this list. There was a time I would have put Jay Diller absolutely on this list, right? But I can't do that. So number two for me, now this is where I go into my my jazz you know, background, my jazz repertoire. I would bring in Christian, Christian Scott. I'll definitely bring in Christian Scott. Love that dude. Love his music. Uh, then... Number three, some and see those two are for me. Like those two are for me, but you gotta do something for the crowd, right? You gotta put something together. You gotta invite someone who's gonna get the crowd moving. And I would then definitely, if I could bring anyone who I wanted, and they were and they were obligated to say yes. Okay, I got. I'm bring Beyonce in there. I'm put Beyonce on the list. That's more for the people. That's less for me. More for people. I gotta give the people a little something. All right, I gave the people a little something. Uh, but then. After giving the people something, what I would want for myself, the last person who I'd want invite, who I'd want to come and perform, and again, this is in no particular order. Ooh, ooh, I got one, and it's gonna piss a lot of people off. But hey, we just talking about musical talent here, right? Not politics or anything like that. Because I, I just invited Freddie Gibbs, who's an anti-vaxxer. So it isn't like I'm worried about politics. I'm straight up just worried about who I like, who I think can bring down the house, who I would love to see perform in person. Uh, the last person who would be for me, for me. But I'm pretty sure she would be enjoyed by a whole host of people. Kim Burrell. That's right, Kim Burrell. Mm-hmm. 
And I know, and I know that would piss off a lot of people, but again, this is just about performances. So my crew, if I was being inaugurated, would be Mad Lib and Freddie Gibbs. Count that as one. Okay. Then it would be the man Christian Scott. Okay. Then for the people, it would be Beyonce. And then back to for me, Kim Burrell. Literally the baddest singer on the planet still, in my opinion. That would be who I would invite to an inauguration if I was being inaugurated. Uh, but let me know what you guys want to do. Let me know what who you guys would invite to an inauguration because this was one of those really, <laughs> this is one of the most lackluster lineups for an inauguration. But again, I'm happy about that because it's a pandemic, y'all. Don't be like fucking Bow Wow pretending like this is not what's happening and throwing fucking concerts and 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 parties and clubs and shit. Okay, don't be like that. Don't be like that motherfucker with your pretend inauguration. <laughs> so let me know who you guys would invite to your inauguration. You only get four. Okay, you only, you only get four. Okay, and you gotta have a good reason if you can count two people as one, like I did in, in basically cheap. But it's my show. I'm a chief. I want to. So, yeah, the performances. Yeah, no big deal. Then we come down to the speeches or specifically the one speech. And the big thing, clearly, that Biden was going to harp on was what he talked about during his campaign. And I get it, man. Like like when you're the president, you're the president of the United States. And so unity has to be a theme for you. Especially when you're a liberal, especially when you're a Democrat. The Republicans clearly don't care that much about unity. They care about helping their faction win and maintain power. Uh, and so that's their idea of unity is more like Republican unity. But, you know, Democrats, especially modern Democrats, have always been more about, hey, how do we get everyone, you know, raises? How do we get everyone you know, at least more recently, healthcare, how we help everyone, whether they vote for us or not. Because I have many problems with the Democratic Party, but in comparing the two, it's clear the Democratic Party tries to be more humane than the Republican Party. I think that goes without saying. Do they always succeed? No, they don't always succeed. I think many times they fail, and I think many times they fail on purpose because they have donors, meaning people who contribute to their campaigns, which are usually very, very, very rich people and big billion-dollar, trillion-dollar corporations who don't want everyone to do well because if everyone did well, those people would make less money or have less power. So I think there are many times where they fail, and they fail on purpose. But that being said, if one had to make the assessment which party is more humane. I think I think it's very clear that the Democratic Party is the one that's more humane. However, all that talk about unity, you know, a, a big part of unity is expelling people who aren't about unity or who would kill unity. You know what I'm saying? I've always told people that not only is it important that you are liked, it's also important that you're disliked. You know, I, I would tell people oftentimes that one of one things that I actually find fun is firing people. Right. Why? Because by the time we get to the point where I fire you, I have given you every opportunity. I've talked to you. I've shown you where you've done wrong. I've given you steps to do better. I've given you every opportunity to get it right and more so. But if I'm having the discussion with you where it's time to let you go, I'm happy about that. 
Why? Because now you've proven to me that you're not going to change. You're incapable of changing. You're hurting the team, and you have to go. And my happiness is about maintaining the integrity of the team, of the department, maintaining the unity and the camaraderie and the productivity of the team means expelling you. And I'm happy about that because I'm happy about because I'm happy about how your exit is going to positively affect the team. And so whenever we talk about unity, you know, he, he was a little he was a little too broad with that term. You know, there was not enough rebuke in my estimation in all this unity talk, because I don't want to. Like I said on Twitter while he was saying this, I do not have I do not have any desire to unify or to have unity with white supremacists. I do not have any desire to have unity with police unions. I don't have any desire to have unity with people who think black lives don't matter. I don't have I don't have any desire to have unity with people who think that paying people fifteen dollars an hour is somehow immoral. All the while they're reaping in millions of dollars in tax breaks and shit. There's a lot of people who I have no desire to have unity with, and I am. I'm not upset because I, I kind of expected it, but I am still disappointed about how, with how broad that he was with just all this unity talk. So a lot of people have no desire to be unified with, especially people, for example, in the Senate who helped encourage an insurrection. I, I'm still in shock that these motherfuckers are not gone. Okay, so I have no desire to have unity or to be unified with people like that. Okay, those types of people will actually harm the unity that he seems to be trying to create because unification has to be one that is done under a common goal, under a common banner. And therefore, if your common goal is good, you cannot have unity with people who are up to no good. And you got to be able to identify them and get and get those motherfuckers out 100% quickly and without, without any second thought, without any hesitation, Okay. And with malice, 100% with malice, with malice and with all due disrespect. You got to get those motherfuckers out. Okay. But again, Biden is pretty milquetoast. And so I did not expect him to come out there with fire and brimstone uh, as he should have. I mean, he really has an opportunity to really go up there and just rail against white supremacy really draw a line in the sand against those who will spread lies and disinformation and hatred he really could have done that but you know this is not who biden is it's pretty milquetoast and i think in many ways that speech kind of exemplifies and embodies in many ways what we're gonna have to expect with this dude for the next four years that he's gonna be he's gonna try his best to be down the down the line and we need to Keep pushing him left. We need to elect people who are going to push him left. We need to elect real progressive voices into the Senate who's going to push him left, you know? Uh, and so it's really important that we realize who we're dealing with, that he's a pretty milquetoast down the middle, down the middle, I don't want to offend anybody type of dude. And we need people who are going to push him like, yo, fuck if you offend these motherfuckers. They don't, they're not your friends. Stop fucking worrying about their opinions. Let's go for their throat and get shit done. Okay? Just like Republicans would have gone for, be going for, would have, still are going for our throats. We got to be, we got to be willing to fight fire with fire because our fire is a fire of restoration and healing. And they, their fire is like fucking Batman. They just want to see the world burn. Some people just want to see the fucking world burn and that's them. And you got to recognize this shit and stop playing patty keys with these motherfuckers and let's get in there and get in, and get in the fight. 
Okay, and we need to elect people who are going to say this to him. And I'm pretty sure he's going to hate hearing it, but they have to have that ear. They have to be in his ear to say things like that to him, to push him in the right direction, because that speech kind of shows you who we're going to be dealing with, which is a milk toast, middle of the road guy. And when it comes to specifically black issues, like I want to see like immediate stuff that I need to see is, you know, the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act. You know what I'm saying? That's going to limit things such as qualified immunity. Like fucking cops, you can't just kill people and just think that no that you don't get to get sued. Fuck out of here. We give citizens the right to sue these motherfuckers quickly and for tons of money when they step out of fucking line those motherfuckers specifically the nypd was out here brutalizing people peaceful protesters during the mlk day these motherfuckers are not going to be reformed with little tit you know taps on the wrist taps on the back of the hand truthfully they need to be abolished and replaced they need to be defunded and disbanded but since we don't have enough people with the guts to go in like that, then we got to do what we got to do. At the very least, fuck off qualified immunity. Let motherfuckers sue you. You're going to step out of line. You're going to lose your house. You're going to lose You're gonna lose all your shit because they're going to sue the fuck out of you. Right? And so that's one of the things that, that will be in that particular law. And so it's going to, you know, take care of qualified. It can't get rid of it. You need an act from the Supreme Court to get rid of it. And we already know that's not going to happen. Okay, the Supreme Court right now is super, super pro-police because it's it's mostly conservative. It's, it's a conservative majority. You know, say what you will about Trump and what an idiot he was. I've always said he's a useful idiot, right? Because he gave Republicans a ton of judges in the lower courts as well. He's as well as he gave them the Supreme Court. Okay, so he was an idiot through and through, but he was useful to many of their causes, many of the stuff that they wanted done, which is why they're not too heartbroken. At least many of them are not too heartbroken to get this motherfucker out the party. And that's another subject we can come back to. But also the justice or rather George Floyd Justice and Policing Act would back no knock warrants on a federal level. Right. And therefore, we all know how important that is because that's what got Breonna Taylor killed, right? And so you ban it on a federal level, which means if you do that shit, you don't get federal money. And these police departments, they need that, those federal dollars. But no, you do that shit, uh-uh, no money for you. It would also ban chokeholds on a federal level. Now, all these things being banned on the federal level means that if you break, like, what it means is that on a state level, they can still decide to do it, but there would be federal consequences. And one of the big federal consequences would be that you don't get federal funding for your police departments, right? And these police departments, they need that money, especially now that we're going to be in this recession and in this fucked up economy for a little while longer. These motherfuckers need those extra millions and billions of dollars from the federal government. And so once you start banning things on the federal level, they start paying, that's the financial consequence they pay for breaking the rules, right? Now, like I said, if you want an actual straight up ban that just outlaws it, you need a Supreme Court for that. And that's a whole other issue. And frankly, that's not something that, that's not something that we're going to get until we could turn, that we can flip the Supreme Court, right? Uh, and so this in terms of what the federal branch, the federal government can do. Their hands are pretty limited, but that being said, go with what you got. 
You know what I'm saying? Get in there. Fucking mix it up with what you got. If all you guys are is a left hook, get in that fucking ring and throw the best, Chris, hardest left hook that you got because you that's all you got, but you got to still get in the fight. So they would ban chokeholds on a federal level. Again, you choke someone to death, cop, You your whole department is going to get no money or at the very least, very little money, less money than you, know, you normally would. And the way they're doing that is that they're going to change the wording of the law so that the police officer, you know, is going to have to prove that their their decision to actually use a chokehold on a person was absolutely positively necessary. It would no longer be something that, you know, hey, you can't sue me. You can't say anything because I felt my life was in danger. No, now you're going to have to prove that your life was in danger, that you was actually acting responsibly because the law is saying that we're going to assume that you weren't acting responsibly because we're banning it on a federal level. Um, they're going to establish a national registry of misconduct of law enforcement officers. This one gets a little dicey, right? Because we already know that police stations and police units around the country, they're not being on actually reporting police officers who are fucking up. They do everything they can to hide that shit, right? They, co- they collaborate and collude together to hide those details. So even though this is important, you know, we, we know that they're going to find ways around around that shit, right? Require states to report the use of force to the Justice Department. Again, another bit of detail that I'm sure that the police departments are going to try a way, try and find a way around because they lie all the time. These motherfuckers lie all the fucking time, even when you got them on tape, even when you got them on video, those motherfuckers keep on lying. Next, the act requires that police get racial bias training at the federal at the federal level. Um, now, the problem with this is that we already know that that doesn't work, right? And this kind of becomes one of those things that you throw in there because what else can you do, really? But we already know that this does not work because, for example, racial bias training. Yeah, the NYPD get that gets that. The culture of policing is so corrosive that you can't educate it away. You, you can't educate it away, right? Uh, and, 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 you know, the, it goes into a bunch of things. I mean, it makes lynching a federal crime, which is about fucking time, you know, which, like, what the fuck? You know what I'm saying? It took you into 2020 to do this shit. But, again, the Democrats, in many instances, are only marginally better than Republicans, and Republicans were never going to do this, right? And the reality is the Democrats at least attempted to do this a few times, but it was always the Republicans who held them back. And, of course, it's going to require police to use more body and dashboard cameras. It, but, again, that's nice, but it doesn't actually keep police officers from doing dirt, right? Now, maybe if you combine more dashboard and more body cameras with the expulsion, the the removal of the protections that the police officers get to through qualified immunity and throw on, you know, some more federal punishment for doing shit out of pocket, combination of those three things, maybe. Maybe that would actually change their behaviors in a way that would actually be noticeable quickly or at, at the very least over time. But we shall see, right? Because these motherfuckers are already walking around with cameras and all they do is either destroy the camera, 
because we know Chicago, they do this a lot, and I'm sure it's a practice around the country. Cops destroy their dashboard camera. They cover their on-body camera all while they do their dirt, right? And so this is an act that they actually need to get on the floor and get voted and make it make it law ASAP. But then they need to continue to build on it. They need people to, they need to keep on looking for ways to make it even stronger and stronger and stronger. Because again, I don't believe that police culture, policing in this country could be reformed. I think it needs to be completely defunded and abolished and replaced with something new and better and more equitable and more equitable and fair, especially fair to to black people. But until we have enough people in this country, especially at a high level with the guts to make it happen, then we need to be as tough as possible. I mean, right up to the line, we need to be fucking super tough on these police departments on a federal level and then hope that we have enough people on a state level who are going to make sure these things get implemented, right? Um, fucking not people like fucking Bill de Blasio's ass who just lets shit just run amok, who ain't do shit even though he got a report here in New York City that proved that the NYPD was abusing people during the George Floyd protest something that we did not even need a report because we had fucking video all fucking day long during that during those events proving what was happening was actually happening but now he's being sued and we're gonna see how far that goes i'm definitely keep a keep an eye on that and i'm gonna let you know how that is progressing another thing that we need the democrats to get cracking on right away was the voting rights act man we need to make sure that black people are protected they can vote freely throughout this fucking country and not don't just make it something that, hey, black people can just go in and vote without an ID. Fucking make voting a federal holiday, you know, day off for everyone so that everyone don't have to worry about missing work. They don't have to worry about missing a check. They just get up and go vote. OK. And if you don't want to get up and go vote, let's yo make it like a law that everyone with an address gets a mail in ballot. So that mail-in ballots and mailing in your vote becomes second nature. It doesn't become something that we have to fucking argue about again. Restore the post office. Motherfucking Trump tried to destroy that shit because he knew, hey, if everybody can vote willy-nilly, I ain't got a shot. Turns out he was right, right? And so make sure that black people can vote without fucking crazy stupid ass impediments getting in the way, fake ass bullshit like, hey, you got to bring an ID. Since motherfucking when? That was, that was only something that you guys decided to do once black people were free and could vote. Then you have fucking shit like poll taxes and you had to take tests and all that kind of shit. It was interesting how you had niggas ain't do that shit for white folks during that time. Again, something that popped off after Hayes' evil ass and in reconstruction, right? And so another thing that, the, that we need the Democrats today to get on ASAP, yo, voting. Restore the Voting Rights Act bill. The Voting Rights Act. Don't talk all this shit about how Martin Luther King Jr. is a hero of yours, and yet you're gonna sit back and watch the Republicans just massacre the voting right. Because let me tell you something: if voting rights, or rather, if voting wasn't as powerful as they would lead you to believe, if voting wasn't as important as some dumbasses out here which has, would have you believe, they would be trying so hard to get rid of your vote. So clearly, it has power. Clearly. It has consequences for them. Clearly, if you actually gave people the right to vote, shit would change and change in a hurry. So get the Voting Rights Act bill back on the table. Make sure it's restored. 
so black people can fucking vote and then make voting easier for everybody. Everybody. Okay? And the other thing I want to see happen in the next four years, because the, the next two things, excuse me, the last two things that I just mentioned, that shit needs to happen like now. Like right now, like this week. Like that shouldn't happen ASAP. Right? So that shouldn't happen ASAP. But what needs to also happen across the next four years, fucking real last discussion about reparations. I mean, we started that discussion during the uh, the uprising, but now let's bring it back and let's fucking make inroads into that shit, man. And stop worrying about white people's feelings, okay? They have fucking 400 years of people catering to their fucking feelings. Fuck them. It is time to actually start talking about reparations for black folks in a meaningful way that actually results in something. And I'm saying this as someone who ain't, ain't going to get shit, but black folks, speci- specifically black people who can trace who can trace their heritage to fucking slaves who built this country need to be repaid and then maybe you extend it to just the overall black community the black diaspora who also got caught up in all the disenfranchisement and the racism and the ghettoizing and the steering and the redlining as well i think there's an argument to be made for that as well but the next four years better not go by without there being an actual real discussion around reparations. Like, for real. Not fucking tiptoeing around it. A real motherfucking talk. And then some real action. And then some real compensation to black folks. Because enough is a fucking enough. And so, th- you know, that's what I'm looking for in the next four years. Because I think these are the right things to do. And these are things that are important to the black community. I mean, we haven't even get into, we haven't even gotten into healthcare, which is going to be so important because clearly COVID has killed a disproportionate amount of black and brown people. But even the vaccine, the distribution of the vaccine, we're seeing that people who need it, specifically black and brown communities, aren't getting it as quickly as they should. And then on top of that, people who survived COVID fucking got built up to fucking wazoo. I mean, we're seeing, we're going to see a lot of effects, a lot of, you know, after effects, a lot of repercussions, a lot of long-term damage to the black community because of COVID that needs to be addressed now. That needs to be addressed today so that those negative effects, those negative consequences are, are, you know, kept and checked as much as possible. Okay, which means there's going to have to be a lot of forethought. There's going to be a, a lot of discussion about what we're seeing happening right now, and then actually putting fucking money, money, money. I keep using that word money because talk is not gonna get it done. You have to put fucking money behind an action plan to make sure that black people, when it's all said and done and we're past COVID and we're finally at a point, maybe 2024, where we're at a point where we can actually say that COVID is behind us, that we're actually at a point then where we can say it was bad, but at least we mitigated the harm to the black community, to their health, to their ability to create wealth, to their children, to their to their community, that we actually mitigated and we didn't actually allow COVID to make a bad thing even exponentially worse. So we need some forethought in that and then we need to put money behind an action plan to keep that from happening. And so all of these things need to be things that I think they put together, they put on the docket for black people. And unlike what we've seen in years past, they can't, this can't be a situation where they talk all this shit 
and get our attention and promise black folks a bunch of shit and then don't come through. We have to be super vocal. And what I'm happy is that I'm also seeing ascending people to Congress into the Senate who are going to remind them, like, hey, motherfuckers, you said you're going to do some shit. We ain't going to let you forget. And we got to have people, we got to have people willing to break and criticize Biden as well. Okay. And let, and publicly too. And then though, hey, I was brought here by my community. And I'm thinking about people like Corey Bush to make sure that this president forget his promises to the black community. I'm going to be here and I'm going to talk on this podium. I'm going to talk on these TV shows and let them know, motherfucker, you got things to do for us because we gave you this White House. So I'm so glad that we have people up there who are going to speak out and going to make sure at the very least that we have a real motherfucker at the table representing us. And it's going to be a beautiful thing to see. So am I hopeful about the next four years? Mildly, (laughs) mildly hopeful. But we have to see. You know, because the fight has just begun. You know, getting this motherfucker elected was only step one. It's only step one. Tons of shit that we got to we got to talk about. Tons of shit we got to do. I mean, I didn't even touch on you know shit like you know the environment, because the brunt of climate change is falling on the heads of black and brown people. The brunt of that those negative consequences are falling on the black community, and we and we need to talk about that shit too, right? And so there's a ton. Tons of stuff that I can get to today that also need to be talked about. But, you know, those are my first thoughts today, you know, when looking at this new presidency and then thinking about everything that he said. All right. So, of course, as always, I want to hear your opinion. I want to hear what you have to say. Uh, and I look forward to it. I'm going to put links around so you can actually send me your opinions and what you're thinking about. And, yeah, this today was a super short relatively speaking episode of better black than never and i look forward to talking to you guys next week yo have a great weekend have a great day guys and stay safe out there all right we're still in the pandemic don't act crazy as always though i need you to like i need you to review give me five stars and i need you to share this with your friends and let's you know let's keep on growing let's keep this shit on popping right today was episode number four So, yeah, let's keep this shit on popping and keep things moving in the right direction. I will talk to you guys later.